Welcome to the Natural Health Podcast. We bring awareness of sustainable health in the business hustle space. Natural Health Podcast is perfect for the high-performing, business-minded individuals who want to work with their biochemistry to achieve optimal health. My question for you today is, have you heard of mold? Have you lived or been affected by water-damaged building and therefore ended up with respiratory or mental issues or any type of other illness or disease well today i'm going to be talking about all things mold that's right i mean everyone's talking about mold these days i've had i've interviewed a number of different guests on the natural health podcast that talk about mold but today i'm going to go a little bit more depth and i'm going to talk about what is a mold i'm going to talk about how it affects your health and at the end i'm going to give you three tips on how you can avoid mold so you don't get those negative health effects that others may be getting a lot of individuals have so many health issues and the answer may be that they have been exposed to mold so let's get straight into it It's Mondays with Mahela. That's right, me. Thank you so much for tuning in. I absolutely love, love, love and appreciate your support. For any of you who don't know me, my name is Mahela. I'm a qualified naturopath and absolutely passionate about all things health, business and overall success. And today on Mondays, I provide you with simple, savvy and sustainable health hacks to optimize your health. And that's exactly why today I'm going to be talking about mold, because if you know and are aware about mold and ensure, and, and at the end, if you stick by and hear the three tips that I have to avoid mold, you may be able to optimize your health. That's exactly right. So you may have heard about mold. You may have even seen mold in your home, right? I know that there's a number of individuals who may not be so educated on mold and what has occurred is, you know, they're renting a house and they come into the house and there's all these black stuff on the walls and, you know, they get their brush and they start brushing it away and moving it away. But little do they know what that may actually do to their health. Or they may have had a water leak or anything along those lines, and that resulted in mold being caused into the home, okay? So this is why I'm here to educate you, and so you're able to share this knowledge with your friends, family, and loved ones, so you can educate them on the potential effects of mold, okay? So what is mold overall, right? Mold is very, very natural, right? But all natural things don't mean that they're good. It has a balance, okay? Mold is a naturally occurring organism which plays a role in the Earth's ecosystem. It has an absolutely huge role in our ecosystem. This is why we need it, right? They are uh, the most important part of nature's ability to recycle. These microscopic fungi exist everywhere except underwater, which is really, really interesting, okay? Parts of the Arctic and Antarctica and in artificial environments such as very clean rooms. Outside, they're an important part of the ecosystem. However, indoors, they may be problematic, and this is where the issues arise. Mold and mildew are living organisms known as fungi, which are present at very low levels virtually everywhere, indoor and outdoors. So it's kind of like you can't really stay away from mold because in some form, it is everywhere. It can cause a musty odor and presents as green, gray, brown, black spots, or even clusters, right? The role of mold is so fascinating. I'm only touching on it like a tiny little bit. 
the role surprises me, okay? The mold's job is to decompost dead organic material. Wow. Just just imagine that is what its role is, okay? They can sometimes be infected, can infect living plants and animals. The mold spores and fibers like structures of individual colonies are too small to see without a microscope. Even enough, when enough grows together on a surface, it will appear in different colors, like mentioned above, black, green, red, gray, and so forth, right? It's affected by the nutrient source and the age of the colony. It is impossible to determine what type of mold you have, but just looking at it, you definitely need an expert to have a look at it and decide what it is, right? So mold growth occurs when there's water source because this water is their food source or moisture present in an environment with limited or no sunlight. Building materials such as gibberock, wood, carpet, and other household or residential materials are exposed to moisture in an indoor environment provide an ideal place for mold to grow. This is why you always see, or most of the time you see it inside, especially in a dark room or dark space that hasn't been aired out or anything along those lines and has been wet for a long time. So common water sources issues such as lack of bathroom ventilation, roof leaks, rising damp, plumbing leaks, and condensation occurs this to happen, right? There are different types of molds. I'm only going to mention a few. There's so many more than this. This is literally just looking at the top surface, right? So there's cladosporium, which is brown, green, or black. It grows both warm and cold locations. It's most often found on wood, carpets, or fabrics, and in heating and cooling ducts. There's penicillin. This fuzzy mold is blue, green, and yellow. It's often found under carpets, basements, insulation, especially when there has been water damage. Aspergillus is green, white, gray, dark spots, and a powdery type of look. This type of mold doesn't need much ventilation. It thrives in fabric, walls, attics, basements, as well as on dry food items, right? So the thing that we need to know is mold, this fungi, right? It's actually this thing called an eukaryotic organism. What does that mean? It actually means that they don't have any chlorophyll for photosynthesis, like plants do outside, okay? Plants do outside. Thus, they depend on dead, decay organic materials or living organisms for their survival and growth, which is absolutely extraordinary. That blows my mind. Like, oh, if I could study this into so much more detail, this would be absolutely extraordinary. They don't need light. That's not what they grow on. They grow on organic matter, dead organic matter, which is absolutely amazing, right? They are abnigonous and produced by sexual spores, asexual spores, and myocellular fragmations and proliferate in damp environments. The number of fungus species on Earth has been conservatively estimated as 1.5 million, yet the number of known fungal species are only 120,000. So this kind of shows that the research in fungi still needs to develop a lot more, right? It just hasn't been explored as much as it should be. And in the last few years, mold has been a huge issue due to the side effects it has on human health. So I'll be quite interesting to see where the research takes it, right? So what are the signs of mold? How do you know if you have mold or not, right? 
Well, it starts out with little spots, but expands pretty quickly. Um, you usually notice it early on unless it's out of your way in a location that you really don't go into in a room or place that you don't really go into a lot, right? It can be black, white, spotted, just about any color and appear in different ways. If you notice a spot and unsure if it's just an old stain or dirt, well, this is how you can tell if it's mold. It usually kind of has a moldy, musty, earthy smell. You smell it. As soon as you walk in, you're like, ooh, I know about this. I remember when we were looking for a part, you know, rental places to live at, and I would walk into these buildings and I would be like, Ooh, this doesn't smell like a home. It smells like the windows have been closed for decades, hasn't been aired out. And it just got that yucky smell. That is definitely mold, right? There's also not much light, all right? And it's also a source of moisture around. Uh, you see wrapping, cracking, or peeling, or what a material it's growing on. A drop of bleach lightens its color in a minute or two. Unchecked mold will continue to grow, dirt and old stains won't. So this is how you know if it is mold in a sense, right? But how does it affect your health? That is the quick question and that's what I'm going to go into and spend most of my time on, right? How it affects your health is a huge list and so many things that I can go into detail, but I'm only going to talk about three today and the three key ones, okay? But before we get into it, what I want you to know is how much exposure to fungal spores and other fungal structures is tolerable for humans is actually unknown and it varies upon the individual. So two individuals can live in the same house and one can be affected by mold and the other not, or not yet, if you know what I mean. However, exposure, exposure to mold in damp water damaged buildings has been recently acknowledged as a serious public health hazard, right? And authorities know this. And it was um, supported by a robust body of toxicological, clinical and epidemiological findings in research, right? Unfortunately, how much of these fungal spores or other fungal structures tolerable for your body is unknown, like I mentioned, although the prevalence of indoor dampness is uh, viable, uh, variable depending on the country, continent and climate zone, the World Health Organization estimates that from 10 to 50% of indoor environments affected by damp conditions in Europe, North America, Australia, India and Japan. So is your household one of them, right? So the reason why mold has actually been an issue in a sense for our health is due to these things called mycotoxins. And you would have probably heard about them, right? But what, what is a mycotoxin, right? It's the toxic byproduct of mold, okay? So you have the mold, so the mold itself may not be toxic, but what the byproduct is, is that is what is toxic, right? So while a few myotoxins have useful applications, so like, you know, the antibiotic penicillin is a toxin derived from penicillium fungi, and the myotoxin citron is used to produce cheese, steak, and miso, the vast majority of myotoxins are harmful and capable of causing disease in the human body, right? So as we know, penicillin has caused or has developed our medical field in some sense, some people believe, and cheese and steak what we use is also a, you know, a um, product of mold, yeah, because we have multi cheeses and people absolutely love them, right? But 
Some myotoxins, or most, are actually dangerous. They play a crucial role in the development of chronic inflammatory response syndrome. I'm going to do, I'm probably going to do another podcast that's going to go into specifically SIRS, chronic inflammatory response syndrome, because it is absolutely huge. It's an absolutely huge topic. It's a complex and multifascinated illness. If you have SIRS or someone that you know has SIRS brought on by mold exposure, you could be feeling a number of the below symptoms that I want to mention now. Um, malaise after excluding yourself, weakness or fatigue, memory issues, headaches, lightheadedness, shortness of breath and other respiratory issues, chronic abdominal pains. So the most frequently encountered harmful myotoxins are, so I'm mention four of them, that is trichotherocinus, fumonocinus, ocrotoxins, and alpha toxins and i'm going to write them down here so you can actually write them down because as you know my pronunciation is probably not the best but that's all good we get the message across right (laughs) so it has um the things that we need to know is that these myo uh, myotoxins my mysotoxins they actually uh, have harmful effects on the body they're carcinogenic mutagenic so what that means is they're capable of altering, altering DNA, which is huge. If you ha- if you take something in that has the capability of messing up your DNA, I'll be very concerned. And they're also estrogenic, therefore triggering hormonal imbalances and impair the normal function of your immune system, kidney, liver, nervous system, and so forth. So that's just a little bit of an introduction of how toxic and dangerous mold is. But I'm going to go into three specific ways of how it impacts your body. The first one we'll talk about is respiratory. In specific, in specific terms, asthma, right? A number of individuals may have asthma and that may be due to mold exposure. So respiratory diseases and symptoms may have been produced by exposure to indoor fungi, including asthma development, um, hypersensitivity, cough, wheezing, um, shortness of breath, nasal and throat symptoms, and respiratory infections may be due to being exposed to mold, right? So they estimate that 21% of current asthma in the U.S. is is attributed to dampness and mold exposure. That's nearly 20, that's nearly a quarter. So those individuals that have asthma, a quarter of them may be due to, they're saying mold and dampness in a house. That's huge. So you can see how you can reduce asthma occurrences, right? In a population-based cohort study in Finland, researchers found the exposure of mold odor in homes increased the risk of development asthma in children by 2.4% times, sorry, 2.4 times in six years after exposure compared to non-exposed children. Another study in the European Community Respiratory Health Study participants in Melbourne, Australia, right here, right at home, found that increased exposure to airborne caldostronium, which is the myotoxin uh, mold, in homes increased the risk of development in adult asthma by 1.5 times. This is huge. Another one, a Finnish population-based incident case study on adults reported that exposure to indoor workplaces mold increased the risk of new onset asthma by 4.6%. Huge. Another Finnish retrospective case control study of children found that 2.6-fold higher rate of new diagnosed asthma due to living in homes with visible mold. The presence of patients with mucosal irritation, recurring um, asthma or issues with their breathing Damp build, uh, among damp buildings, occupants may point to a potential for development of building-related asthma, exacerbation of asthma symptoms, hypersensitivity, and lung disease in the future. So this is definitely something that needs to be studied and looked into more detail, because 
What happens is, is you have the mold, let's say. Let's say you have mold at home, mold in your workplace everywhere. You go to your home, you're exposed to them. What happens is we actually, we breathe it in. When we breathe it in, it goes to our lungs, right? And this is where the issue occurs, right? This is where it may stuff up with our DNA. It may cause us asthma. It may cause constriction. It may cause inflammation, oxidative stress, and so forth. Because essentially, it's a toxin. It's an absolute toxin. And then it, and then, and then it puts even more pressure on our liver, on our kidneys, on our skin, on our, um, on our gut, on our digestive issues and things like that to remove those toxins. And this is why affects some people more than others because it depends on their toxic load right depends on their genetics on their toxic load on their environment on their lifestyle factors if they're already putting enough strain on all of these systems right the other one that i wanted to talk about so that was respiratory issues asthma itself right the other one that i want to talk about which is really really interesting is your gut your gastrointestinal tract okay so mycotoxins produced by mold impair gut health on a structural and functional level. That is huge, right? They disrupt the balance of beneficial and pathogen bacteria in the gut, increase intestinal permeability, increase intestinal permeability. That is huge. Interfere with nutrient absorption, causing malnutrition, meaning you don't, you're, you're actually eating a lot, but you're malnourished generating oxidative stress and inflammation and increase your susceptibility of bacterial, viral, parasitic gut infections. I could stop right there and you'll be like, wow, but I'm going to add into it, right? What mold also does, it changes your gut microbiota, right? Your little gut bugs, it changes them. Mycotoxin can increase the level of harmful gut bacteria and deplete beneficial microbes. So you need good and bad guys. So what does mold do? Increases your bad guys and decreases your good guys and there's a huge gap causing a lot of gastrointestinal issues researchers found that exposure to mold and myotoxins uh, significantly increased levels of bacteriocytes in the gut also a high portion of this is associated with inflammatory bowel disease so you may have ibs due to mold exposure right and it also reduces the level of Lactobacillus ruta and by and bifidobacteria bacteria. The reduction of beneficial Lactobacillus and this bacteria decreases the intestinal production of short short chain fatty acids, leading to impaired gut immunity. We need short chain fatty acids for so many reasons in our body, and if mold's going to reduce this, that is a huge issue. Myotoxins also promote the growth of pathogenic bacteria. So in animal studies, what happens is um, and ingestion of mold increased the growth of family of bacteria that includes staphylococcus and listeria these are huge if you have that in your gut you will have issues so a combination of aflatoxins and fumonosins enhance the growth of um, e coli a type of that causes diarrhea utis and bloodstream infections this is huge so you may have diarrhea utis due to mold but you never even thought about that right the intestinal epithelium tightly packed epithelial cells that line the walls of your intestines acts as a barrier to block 
the entry of pathogens, toxins, and foreign antigens into the bloodstream, right? So this is huge, and then it goes into depth talking about different ILAs, cytokines, and so forth, pathogens. But essentially what this is saying is that microtoxins can damage your intestinal villi. Your intestinal villi are small. They're finger-like projections that are on your small intestine. So the more of them you have, the more nutrients you can attach. And what happens is it goes like this. So it means you can only attach here. So think about it attaching to your fingers all around your fingers up and down compared to just attaching to your fist you don't have as many of them available right which a shortened intestinal villi increases the risk of malnutrition by decreasing the surface area available for nutrient absorption this is huge 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 any of the diseases or health conditions that you may have could be linked to this um, issue in your small intestine but is it due to mold you know what i mean you could have small bacterial SIBO um, small intestine bacterial overgrowth you may have this actually due to mold you may have IBS due to mold you may be malnourished due to mold this is absolutely huge you may have fertility issues immune issues cancer so forth due to mold right this is why it's so important to talk about Another one that I wanted to talk about also is neurological. This is the third one. So the third one is neurological. Research indicates that the spectrum of cognitive impairments caused by mold and mycotoxins exposures are extensive. They're huge. Many of the mental health conditions are quite prevalent in our society, right? But what are the mechanisms that mold actually causes these brain issues? And I want to talk about a few, right? The key one being... Uh, these toxins produced by mold actually cause oxidative stress, right? Which instigates the release of reactive uh, ROS, reactive oxygen species from cells that cause damage to the nervous system tissues. Huge, absolutely huge. They can also induce micro mitochondrial dysfunction. If your mitochondrial is not working, you're fatigued, you don't have any energy. But not only that, it causes cognitive impairment. They can also interact with the neuroimmune axis a network of cells and signal molecules that link the immune system with the central nervous system right these mold these toxins released by mold activate mast cells drawing and along the axis triggering the release of inflammatory cytokines that cause neuroinflammation and cognitive dysfunction huge 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 and then in addition to that if this is not bad enough it can also impair neuroplasticity but binding to proteins involved in synapse activity Reduced neuroplasticity is a contribution factor in cognitive dysfunction, depression, anxiety, among other mental health care, mental issues. Oh my gosh, if that is not enough, there's more. Mitotoxin compromises the integrity of the blood-brain barrier crossing into the brain and exerting neurotoxic effects on neurons. Your neurons may not be as healthy as they should be due to mold. Therefore, what can mold do in the brain? It can cause cognitive impairment, right? It can reduce memory capacity, attention, intellectual capacity, and assessed by an IQ test, okay? It can cause Alzheimer's. So there's actually groundbreaking work by Dr. Dale Bredson has revealed that myotoxins participate in a pathogenesis of a subtype of Alzheimer's disease refers to inhalation Alzheimer's disease. This is huge. This guy is studying this and has linked it together. Depression and anxiety, a study of over 5,000 adults published in the American Journal of Public Health found that those living in mold environments have significantly higher rates of depression compared to those living in mold-free environments. Huge. Autism, individuals who have autism. Emerging research indicates that children with autism have high urinary levels of mitotoxins compared to their peers without autism, suggesting a relationship between mold exposure and autism. Chronic fatigue. This is huge. Patients 
patients with chronic fatigue syndrome have higher urinary mitoxins levels, suggesting that mitoxins may play a role in the disease progress. Right. So now that we know what mold is, how it actually helps the ecosystem, but also damages our health, we also now know what it does to our health in our gut, in our brain, and also in our respiratory system, just to mention a few. Let's talk about three tips on how we can avoid mold, right? Well, the number one, the most obvious one, and I'm going to mention it, it is obvious, but I want to mention it anyway, because it is key, is one the number one is to avoid water damaged buildings okay it is important that you check your home your work anywhere that you spend a lot of time even your car okay i know i'd said water damaged buildings but it could even be your car if you have water damaged find a damp environment or you know you have water damage anywhere you find a damp environment you need or see or suspect mold in your home or your workplace or your car it's important to work with a professional to ensure that they see what the issue is and then rectify it or you actually move out and find a place so if you are looking for buying or renting a place it is key to ensure that you get it checked out get it checked out are there any mold is there any mold growing or are there any mold currently in there because you want to avoid it because as mentioned 20 to 50 percent of buildings have it right so that is your first tip your second tip is avoid foods that that's susceptible to mold. The most heavily mold contaminated foods include, are you ready? Write this down, grains, wheat, barley, um, rice, corn, rye, meat and milk from grain-fed animals, dried fruits, peanuts, wine and beer. These are the ones that have the most mold they'll be able to grow in it, the foods, right? So it's essential to be like, if you may have you know, issues with it, you need to ensure that these products that you do buy, so for example, if you do buy dry nuts or peanuts, they're mold-free. That you get in touch with the processes of the company that does it and ask them. Now, and then the third one is, because I know you, like myself, are a coffee drinker, is to choose a vertified mold-free coffee. Mold loves coffee and coffee loves mold, right? Just like we love coffee. <laughs> this may come to a surprise, but coffee is actually the most mold-contaminated food in the average person's diet. Coffee beans have been found to harbor significant levels of myotoxins, likely due to the hot, humid conditions in which coffee beans are grown, stored, and processed. So this is why it's absolutely key to ensure that where you get your coffee from, you actually question, has it been tested for mold and myotoxins? Is it free from that? And if so, jump on it. So another little hint on how to make your coffee absolutely amazing to make sure that it is mold-free because it is highly susceptible to it. So there you have it. Three little tips. Avoid water-damaged buildings or cars or anything that you spend most of your time in. Two, avoid foods that are most susceptible to mold. And three, ensure that your coffee is mold-free coffee. So it's not a toxin-filled coffee. It's actually an enjoyable health benefit coffee for you to enjoy. So there you have it. So much information on what mold is, how it affects your body, and then what you can do about it. Okay. And if you believe that you may have an issue with mold, please touch base with a healthcare professional that may be able to assist you and sort it out so you know your health is on point it's optimal please share this podcast with 
your loved ones because they need to hear about this. They need to know about this. So then you are able to live an absolutely optimal life, but then the people around you are also able to live an optimal life. So do what you do best. Love, like, share, rate, review the Natural Health Podcast. And until next Monday, love you.